bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otterville. And now, today's word. Jonah was an interesting guy. He's a prophet. And God comes to Jonah and says to Jonah, Go and tell the people of Nineveh that they should repent. Otherwise, judgment will come upon them. And Jonah says, I don't like the people of Nineveh. So I won't go and tell them. Now, can you imagine a prophet's job is to declare the word of the Lord, but the man says, I don't like Nineveh. You can send me anywhere else except Nineveh. I don't like them. I want them to perish. You know, there are certain bad people that when God says you should pray for them, you want to pray, but you want to pray that God will <laughs> kill them. So, so this is where Jonah is. He doesn't like the Ninevites, but God has sent him to Nineveh. And God has to guide him because God's will is that he gets to Nineveh. But Jonah says, I don't want to get to Nineveh. So now he's now with child. He's, he's somebody God has to gently lead. So Jonah takes a ship that is going to Tashish. Tashish is in the west. Nineveh is in the east. As far as the east is from the west. God says, go here. He goes in the opposite direction. So God says, okay, okay. I still have to gently lead him because he's my prophet. So God's hand begins to work. He disturbs the, the sea. So he's just hitting the water. So there is a storm. The storm is going up and down. And God is turning the boat, the ship here and there. So there is a storm. It looks like everything is chaotic. The people in the, uh, in, in the ship are wondering, what's going on? What's going on? So they say, okay, we have to find who is causing this trouble for us because it looks like God is leading somebody. And, and, and so they, they eventually use a process, they cast lot, and they, whilst all this is going on, by the way, Jonah is sleeping at the bottom of the ship. <laughs> I like Jonah very much because he's a very plain guy. So they get him and they say, Jonah, what's the problem? He says, I'm a servant of God. I'm running away from God. And they say, you are running away? Yeah, 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 yeah. God said I should go to Nineveh and I don't want to go. So I came to your ship and I'm running away. So that's why God is disturbing the ship. He's leading Jonah to Nineveh. So they asked Jonah, so what should be done to you? Jonah says, throw me into the sea. He doesn't even beg for life. He just says, throw me into the sea. The reason he's saying throw me into the sea is just kill me. Because I prefer death to go into Nineveh. Just throw me into the sea. So this guy is determined, I'm never going to do the will of God, but God is gently leading him. He disturbs the sea, disturbs the ship, and then they throw him into the sea, and I'm sure Jonah says, now at last I'm dead. But God says, you are not dying now. A big fish has to swallow him, because God says, you're going to get to Nineveh. He gets into the, the belly of the big fish, and Jonah is very, very upset. For two days, he doesn't care. He wants to be digested. But there's no enzyme and there's no acid to digest him. So on the third day, he realizes, I better pray about this situation. He prays about the situation. And then God causes the big fish to swallow him. And guess what he was swallowed at? At the coast of Nineveh. That is called the gentle leading of the Lord. 
Because sometimes when you are running away from God, he will get you. You go forward, he'll put a block there. You go that way, he puts a stumbling block. You try to jump, he'll widen the gutter. Because he would make sure he will guide you. Not every hardship, not every hardship is from Satan. Many times it is God getting your attention and bringing you to the place he wants you to be. And he can disturb your course. He can disturb your direction. He can disturb your path to bring you to that place. Sometimes you can go through life and it seems as if stumbling, everything you want to do doesn't work. Most times it's because you need to change direction. And God is gently leading you. Especially those of you who are called and are running away from your calling. You try to do anything, it doesn't work. You try business, it doesn't work. You try, whatever you try, it doesn't work. You qualify for it, it doesn't work. Can you pause a little and find out what's happening? Is God gently leading me? Is it the hand of God that is guiding me? Is it God who is ordering my step? Is it God who is moving me? Is it God who is trying to position me where he wants me to be? The hand of the Lord guides us gently, patiently. And sometimes God can be patient with you for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years until you come to the place he wants you to be. Then he leaves you alone. One of these days, a big fish will swallow you somewhere and deposit you at the place where God wants you to be. But the hand of the Lord guides us. The hand of the Lord guides us. The hand of the Lord. So not only is it a hand of power, but it's a hand of guidance as well. He gently leads us with his hands. David talks about this in Psalm 139 from verse 5. He says, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. David is literally saying, I can't run away from God. He will get me somehow. Because his hand will find me wherever I am and guide me. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, there is an interesting story from verse 7 to 8 that talks about another aspect of this. The king of Assyria, called Sennacherib, comes against Judah. And the king of Judah is Hezekiah. Uh, Sennacherib at that time is a world superpower. He has the greatest military might, and he comes against Judah. And, uh, and, and Judah doesn't have much. And Sennacherib had had a lot of victories. So he comes to Judah, to the children of Israel, that's the southern kingdom, and he lays a siege. And he tells Hezekiah, the king of Judah and the people of Judah, he says, you think your God can deliver you? Go and check my history. 
Everywhere I've gone to, in every town, in every city, they said their gods would deliver them, and their God didn't deliver them. And I'm going to do the same here. Your God, Jehovah, cannot deliver you. So Hezekiah the king speaks to his people in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 from verse 7. And he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria. For before, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Note the arm of flesh. The arm of flesh is the opposite of the arm of the Lord. The arm of flesh talks about human strength and human capacity. Human strength and human capacity. So, Hezekiah says, I see what Sennacherib has, but it's all the arm of flesh. He has an army, he has, uh, he has ammunition, he has horses, he has chariots, he has instruments of war, he has uh, a pedigree of victory, but it's all the arm of flesh. With him is the arm of flesh. But with us is the arm of God. The arm of flesh will always be in conflict with the arm of God. And many times in battle, you're going to come against people who have the arm of flesh. They have so much advantage, you feel little before them. They have so much power, you feel totally incompetent. With him is the arm of flesh. But with us is the arm of God. Now in that battle, at that time Isaiah was a prophet. He gets to know what is happening. They pray about the situation. And overnight something happened in the camp of the Assyrian army. Their generals were slain. The leaders of the armies were slain. And Sennacherib no longer had military leaders to lead his army against Judah. So he goes back to Assyria with his army. And when he goes back to Assyria, there is a coup d'etat that overthrows him. I'm just speaking in modern terms. So the arm of flesh, powerful, is defeated by the arm of the Lord. Because the hand of the Lord is mightier than the arm of flesh. The hand of the Lord is mightier than the arm of flesh. In all battles of life, remember that the arm of the Lord is stronger than any arm of flesh. And the hand of the Lord overrules the arm of flesh. The problem with us today is we have more confidence in the arm of flesh than in the arm of the Lord. Because the arm of flesh is very powerful. Is in the days of the Bible, if you were going to cross the Red Sea and you came and the sea was in front of you, there was no other way to cross it. There's no, no, there's no technology to cross it. So the only way to cross it is that God has to help you. When they came to the Jordan in the time when it's flooded, there's no way to cross the Jordan because there's no technology. There's no arm of flesh to cross the Jordan. So they had to believe God. And God in both hands, by his hand, gave them a breakthrough. The challenge we have is that we have bridges now. 
So when, when you come against a problem, the sea, uh, and there's no way to go across it, you won't even pray. You just go and talk to your DC or MCE or, or the minister for uh, the one who does bridges, whoever that is, uh, works. And say, why don't you provide us a bridge? Because as far as we are concerned, the whole concept that God can make a way for us is not even registering in our mind because we believe where there is no arm of flesh, there is no way. So our faith is now limited by our dependence on the arm of flesh. When there is no physical way to solve a problem, we think it's an impossible problem. In the days of the Bible, if you had to talk to somebody, maybe you have to go and, uh, and talk to uh, a friend or a king for somebody to do something for you, and the person was a distance away from you, there was no way you could talk to the person. It's not possible. These days, you pick up your phone. So now, when there is something and you need to talk to somebody about it, you say, but I don't have his contact. I don't have his number. so, So nothing can be done. It never occurs to you that the hand of the Lord can be deployed on your behalf. That over the distance, God can talk to somebody on your behalf and turn a situation around for you because we are so dependent on the arm of flesh that when physically it seems impossible, we think it is impossible. But in the days of the Bible, because there was not much technology, the only technology they had is the power of God. And they depended on the power of God. Mountains were moved, rivers were crossed, seas were crossed, people were fed in the wilderness because they believed that God can do anything. So Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1 says, Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? If you want the arm of the Lord to be revealed, you have to believe his report. Just because it doesn't seem possible naturally does not mean it is impossible spiritually. Just because you can't see your way out of it does not mean it cannot be done. It can be done. God is able in 24 hours to change a nation's economy. And he did it in the word of God. When we trust in the arm of the Lord, that even when the arm of flesh seems impossible against us, we still trust and say, with them is the arm of flesh. With us is the arm of the Lord. Whose report would you believe And maybe in your struggle, you're struggling with somebody and you say, well, I don't have anybody to help me. I I don't know anybody. Nobody is there. I don't even know my way through. But you know God. You know the Lord. You know the arm of the Lord. And our confidence must move from the arm of flesh to the arm of the Lord. And that's what Hezekiah was saying. With him is the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord. Final illustration in the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 48. One of my very favorite passages in the Bible. The background to this story is that the prophet Elijah prays 
that there should be no rain, and there is no rain. And then he goes up to Mount Carmel, challenges the prophets of Baal, succeeds, comes out, prays that God will bring rain after three and a half years, and then they see a sign of rain. Now, I want you to watch something very interesting that happens. It says, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 44 to 46. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's fist rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. And there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord, note it again, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he gathered up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So what is happening here? Elijah prays and he sees a cloud gathering. And so he speaks to Ahab the king and he says, Mr. King, there is a storm coming. And you have to run to Jezreel, the capital city. Run to your, where your, your, your palace is. Run to Jezreel. So Ahab, who is the king, saddles his chariots and horses and starts riding. Now in those days, the king's chariots was the fastest means of transportation. Because the best horses belong to the king, best chariots belong to the king. So Ahab is using the best transportation available, the fastest means available. So he starts and zooms off. Elijah is the one who instructed him, move on. There is a storm coming. So Ahab is moving. He's taking the lead. He's gone. Now whilst Elijah was there, the Bible says the hand of the Lord came upon him. The hand of the Lord came upon him. And he gathered up his loins, his clothes, like mine. Because I'm the only one dressed biblically here. <laughs> all of you are wearing all kinds of things. So he, he's wearing something flowing like this. He gathered this together, ties a belt around it, because something has come upon him, and he's about to move by the hand of the Lord. Remember, Technology is ahead, but the hand of the Lord comes upon him and he starts running. And the Bible says he overtakes Ahab to the gates of Jezreel. Two things happening here, the technology of man and the hand of the Lord. Human efficiency and the hand of the Lord. I believe in human efficiency. I believe in building great chariots. I believe in working hard. But there is a dimension in our lives that is beyond our human capacity. And when God is released into that dimension, things happen. And when the hand of the Lord came upon him, something happened. Isn't it amazing that Elijah, who advised the king to take a chariot, didn't take a chariot? He could have taken another chariot that would be inferior to the king's chariot and he will never overtake King Ahab using second class chariots and horses because he has a first class. 
But when the hand of the Lord comes upon you, he equalizes you and causes you to run faster than those who are ahead of you. So three things happen. First, Elijah outran Ahab's horses. He competed against superior technology and outran it. Never think yourself inferior, so inferior that you don't even start competing. Because, you know, sometimes you see people who look so superior to you. You look at the way they look at, and you feel so inferior. You don't even want to compete. You just tell them, just keep running, keep running. But the hand of the Lord is the great equalizer. Never ever go to any place to an interview. You see somebody, you know, sometimes you go for an interview and this guy is wearing some powerful suit and wearing, holding a powerful file, powerful files. And they have about six pens <laughs> in their shirt pocket. Six pens. I don't know why people use six pens. But six pens, what are you going to write with? And you look at yourself, you have some, nothing, just some pencil. <laughs> and when you look at what he's armed with and you look at yourself, you just disqualify yourself and say, I wouldn't make it. But Elijah realized when the hand of the Lord comes upon you, some will have chariots, some will have horses, but the hand of the Lord will cause you to outrun them. It will cause you to outrun them. The second thing that happened is that Elijah overtook those who went ahead of him. Ahab went ahead of him. Didn't only have an advanced technology, he also went ahead. Never think yourself so behind that you consider that you have no chance to succeed. Because in life, sometimes people will go ahead of you. People would make money before you, people will marry before you, people will have children before you, people will graduate before you. Somebody is going to go ahead of you and never ever say, well, because they went ahead of me, I can't compete. They may be ahead of you 10 years, but God can equalize the situation. They may get it first. Never, ever, never, ever be ruffled because somebody got something first. Because when God's hand is upon you, you may get it last. But the last shall be the first. <laughs> Other people will get it way ahead of you. But the hand of the Lord makes a difference. Each one of us can think of our lives and think of people who are way ahead of us. Sometimes in school, you meet people who are so brilliant that you feel very guilty when you are with them. <laughs> you know, there are people who are brilliant like that. They are so brilliant. And when they are quoting, they are quoting Shakespeare and they are quoting physics and quoting biology, and you are there saying, hey, is it in the book too? Are you sure? Eh, eh, they, they taught us that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people go beyond the syllabus. 
They are way ahead. Their chariots are running faster. And, you, and when you look at them, you just feel, my God, when will I ever catch up? But have you noticed sometimes in life, you just watch and 50, 30, 40 years later, 20 years later, you look at that person and he's trying to catch up with you. Don't ever be so intimidated by the arm of flesh that you rule yourself out. You refuse to compete. You refuse to run. You refuse to move. Elijah had somebody way ahead of him with a chariot. Why should you even run? He has a chariot, he's faster, and he's ahead. And not only that, Elijah overturned Ahab's advantage. May God overturn every advantage against you. He will overturn your disadvantages. You will never, ever have it all together for anything you want to do. Never. Nobody has it together. In life, you're going to meet people that will make you feel small. You're going to meet people that will make you feel intimidated. You're going to stand with other people and watch them and you feel like, oh God, let me vanish from this place. Sometimes you go for a meeting somewhere and you see people and you see what they have and, and all the things that come with them and you look at yourself and you feel, oh, I can't, I have nothing. But throughout my life I've seen that little people have done great things. People who are behind have overtaken. People who are disadvantaged have been picked. It's not of him who wills or him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. The hand of the Lord makes all the difference. And I don't know where you are in life. Maybe you are looking at yourself and you say, oh God, I've been left behind. I can't make it. I'm way behind. I've missed all the great opportunities in my life. I don't think I'll ever catch up. Well, with the arm of flesh, you'll never catch up. But I came here this morning with a word from God to you. The hand of the Lord upon your life will cause you to catch up. And you will not just catch up. You will overtake. You will outperform. You will outrun. You will exceed your own expectation. You will look at yourself and you say, is it me? No, it is not you. It is the hand of the Lord upon you. May the hand of the Lord come upon you in your endeavors, in your life. And may he cause you to run and do exploits for him. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebill, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill. Email otebill at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.